it resides in the core of our being. It is what I think and feel about myself, not what someone else thinks or feels. How we feel about ourselves reinforces what we expect the world to look like, which in turn reinforces how we feel about ourselves, and on and on in the cycle. There are a number of reasons why we may lack good self-esteem. We may have been inadequately nurtured as children. We may have absorbed negative messages about ourselves from others. We may be judging ourselves by too harsh, too uncompassionate a standard. Or it may be the case that we simply fluctuate in the range of average self-esteem, meaning sometimes we feel appropriate, competent, worthy of happiness, and sometimes not. But whatever level of self-esteem you may be feeling, now is the starting point from which you can rise. Raising your self-esteem is a process, one that can be very exciting and very rewarding. To grow in self-esteem is to grow in the conviction that we are competent to live and worthy of happiness. Therefore, we face life with greater confidence, benevolence, and optimism. To grow in self-esteem is to expand our capacity for happiness. If we understand this, we can appreciate the fact that all of us have a stake in cultivating our self-esteem, not only those whose self-esteem is painfully low. We don't have to hate ourselves to learn to love ourselves more. We don't have to feel inferior to want to feel more confident. The higher the level of our self-esteem, the better equipped we are to cope with life's adversities. The higher our self-esteem, the more ambitious we tend to be, not necessarily in a career or financial sense, but more broadly in terms of what we hope to experience in life, emotionally, creatively, spiritually. The higher our self-esteem, the more likely we are to form nourishing rather than destructive relationships. The higher our self-esteem, the more inclined we are to treat others with respect, benevolence, and goodwill, since self-respect is the foundation of respect for others. This last point is something I want to emphasize, because so often I am asked, haven't we had enough of the me generation? Aren't you encouraging selfishness? My answer is, genuine self-esteem is not competitive. It's not expressed at the expense of others. It's not a quest to make oneself superior to all others or to diminish others so as to elevate oneself. One of the most significant characteristics of healthy self-esteem is precisely that it is the state of one who is at war neither with self nor with others. Our external life is so much a reflection of what's going on internally. The tragedy of many people's lives is that they look for self-confidence and self-respect in every direction except within. So, they fail in their search. The fact that you've decided to spend the time listening to this tape is a positive sign that you want to engage in the process of raising your self-esteem. The matter is in your hands. I hope I've made it clear that if we wish to expand our positive possibilities and thereby transform the quality of our existence, then 
the art of nurturing self-esteem is the place to begin. Let's begin. I want to introduce you to the people we'll be using to demonstrate the process of raising self-esteem. These are not actual clients of mine, but they are composite characters drawn from working with thousands of people. Each of us, of course, has a unique history and set of life circumstances, but we can learn from the situations of others. I'm sure that a few of the statements you'll hear from our characters will ring true for you as well, if not now, then perhaps sometime in the past. We're going to meet each person, and I'll give you a brief sketch of his or her life. Later on, some of these people will be going through some specific techniques I've developed to raise awareness and thereby raise self-esteem. We'll hear each of them go through a process of expanding self-esteem. For the purpose of sharing this process with you, our characters will <laughs> miraculously improve before your very ears. Now, obviously, a person's self-esteem cannot go from low to high in the space of an hour-long tape. But with careful listening, you'll get a clear picture of what it does take. Your level of commitment determines how long it will take. Charles is a 58-year-old very successful investment banker. He came to me because of profound unhappiness. His wife divorced him after 15 years of marriage, and he's been in a succession of unsatisfying relationships for the past three years. He told me about why he thought the marriage failed. I guess she was trying to tell me she wasn't happy, but she'd always bring up difficult subjects when I was getting ready to go to work. I guess I didn't give her much time to talk. Lately, he'd been dating women who he described as people he couldn't respect, women he really wasn't interested in, but who were willing to put up with his lack of self-regard. In other words, women whose self-esteem was as low as his. On the other hand, his associates had great regard for his skill as an investor. Charles said that that part of his life was easier. I always knew I was smart, and I knew I could survive. I was running my first successful business at 14. I wanted money so I could be free. What I saw when I looked into the face of this 58-year-old man with thinning hair was a young boy who was frightened, anguished, and reaching for help. I was perfectly willing to believe that that was not how his associates saw him. He told me his story. He was the only child of impoverished immigrant parents who raised him, he said, without love, without the slightest hint of warmth or affection, and with a good deal of humiliating physical brutality. Tears came into his eyes as he proceeded to tell me the ways in which he remembered it being truly terrible. The child he once was emerged more and more clearly on his face. The child, Charles, had formed an appallingly low self-concept. That seemed to account both for his feeling of not deserving love and his choice of women he held in low esteem. Who was he to have the love of an admirable woman? Charles' process began with a look into his childhood. <laughs> K. 
Karen is a 32-year-old woman whose talent got her into a large ad agency, but whose low self-esteem resulted in her getting fired. Her boss complained that she was often daydreaming. Wouldn't it be wonderful to run my own ad agency? Be my own boss? Design ads any way I wanted to. If she wasn't daydreaming, she often seemed less than intent on her work. I can't concentrate on writing copy for stuff I hate. When she finally heard from her employer that her services were no longer needed, she felt shocked and betrayed. When she came to see me, her process began by looking at the reality of her behavior. Let's meet Jane, a 34-year-old woman who's a sales manager in a large department store. Something's not working. It all looks good on paper. My job, my friends, <laughs> I have meaning and purpose in life. And I'm damn bored. Unhappy, really. She came to me saying that she'd like to understand herself better, that she wanted to be more assertive. The central focus of our work was on teaching her greater self-awareness, that is, awareness of her feelings, desires, thoughts, capabilities. We discovered that she often made choices that reflected her mother's desires rather than her own. Sometimes she chose to please her mother, sometimes to defy her. But one way or another, mother was always in the picture. My mother always said that getting a man was more important than getting a job. I went the other way. The insight that emerged was that the choices she made were often not her own. Later, you'll hear me take Jane through a guided imagery exercise to help her find her true sense of self. Jim is a 28-year-old accounting clerk working for a large utility company. He wanted security. He wanted to be loved. My father used to say to me all the time, Do you think life's about being happy? Jim imagined that if he memorized the routine of tasks assigned to him and didn't attract negative attention, he could get the security he needed. He pretended not to notice the activities of other people. Challenges had no appeal for him. I avoid challenges at all costs. Don't rock the boat and you'll get to the promised land. That's my motto. Jim operated at a level of minimal awareness necessary to complete his work, but nothing more. He never contributed anything innovative. When a co-worker was promoted into a job that he, Jim, wanted, Jim was bewildered. In order to work on his self-esteem, we first had to take a closer look at his behavior pattern at work. Each of these people is experiencing difficulties that reflect and proceed from low self-esteem. In telling these stories, I trust that the listener understands that a great deal is omitted. This is not an introduction to the art of psychotherapy. The stories are simplified to keep the main points relevant to our purpose here. What we're chiefly concerned with is what we adults can do to raise our level of self-esteem, to learn to love and trust ourselves more, and to have greater assurance about our own effectiveness. 
It's true that some of us may need psychotherapy to fully resolve our difficulties, but most of us can do a good deal on our own, providing we are willing to make the effort. We want the best for ourselves that is realistically possible. If self-esteem is the key, how do we generate it? If I were asked to state in two words what we can do to raise our self-esteem, to generate more self-confidence and self-respect, I would answer unhesitatingly, live consciously. But that answer is too abstract. It doesn't translate into mental or physical action. And if we wish to grow, we need to know what to do, specifically what to do. And what we need to do is to see our behavior and think about its consequences. If we attempt to exist in an unthinking way, in a mental fog, we betray our basic means of survival, our consciousness. Living consciously is a commitment to awareness. It means knowing what we are doing when we act. And it means acting in accordance with what we see and know. Let me emphasize that to manifest a respect for reality does not mean that we like or approve everything we see, but it does mean we recognize that that which is, is. Wishes or fears to the contrary do not alter the facts. That which is, is. Let's demonstrate this idea of living consciously through the statements of our characters. By listening carefully, you will also be able to begin formulating conscious statements about your own life. Charles, the investment banker, came to me when he finally acknowledged that he was profoundly unhappy, and he began to try to address the problem. You know, I tried to talk to one of my partners a couple of times about how painful the divorce was. But he laughed at me. He said someone as successful as I am couldn't have that much to worry about. He didn't want to hear about it. As Charles described his brutal childhood, I decided that his child self, meaning the child within, the child he once was, held the key to his self-esteem. Since the concept of a child self may be new to you, let's pause to understand it. Each one of us was once a child, and perhaps we don't realize that we carry that child within us as an aspect of who we are. Sometimes we...